The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Worker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Friday, February 11th, 2022. Coming up this hour. U.S. futures fall, adding to yesterday's inflation-fueled sell-off. Goldman Sachs ups its Fed forecast, predicting seven rate hikes this year. The U.K. economy shows strength, expanding by the most since World War II. And the International Energy Agency warns oil prices may be heading higher. Former Governor Cuomo is filing a complaint against New York's Attorney General, plus tensions heighten about the trucker's blockade at the U.S.-Canadian border. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashauer in sports. The Nets traded James Harden to Philadelphia, then lost their 10th in a row. The Knicks with a surprising win at Golden State. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. And global stocks are lower on this Friday morning. We're coming up to 501 on Wall Street. And we check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down 25 points. Dow futures down 147. NASDAQ futures down 111. The DAX in Germany is down nine-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 730 seconds, yield 2.00%. The yield on the two-year, 1.59%. NYMEX crude oil is up seven-tenths percent, or 62 cents at $90. 52 cents a barrel and the euro 1.1385 against the dollar. Nathan. Well, Karen, the drop in futures follows yesterday's inflation fueled sell off. We saw the Nasdaq 100 lead the declines. Bonds were hit hard after the CPI report that showed inflation running at its highest pace in four decades. Emily Hill is a founding partner at Bowersock Capital Partners. I think there was a hope out there that inflation was moderating or at least that inflation was peaking and the numbers look like that is not the case. So the market is now pricing in, you know, much higher likelihood of a 50 basis point increase in rates in March, which I don't think is a, is a huge surprise. Emily Hill with Bowersock Capital Partners made the comments on Bloomberg Business Week. Catch the program weekdays at 2 p.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio. Well, Nathan, we saw the selling inequities spill over to Asia overnight, and we get the recap from Bloomberg's Juliet Sally in Singapore. Good morning, Juliet. Good morning, Karen. Sovereign notes dropped in New Zealand and Australia, where the three-year yield hit its highest since 2019. The MSCI Asia-Pacific Index ex-Japan, which was closed for a holiday, dropped the most in two weeks, dragged lower by tech stocks amid the rise in yields. Elsewhere, Chinese banks extended a record amount of loans in January, providing a boost to a slowing economy. $626 billion of new loans lent in the month, beating economists' median estimate and the highest level in data going back to 1992. 
In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Juliet, thanks. And this is all a response to higher interest rates and the call for more rate hikes this year is growing. Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live to pick up that angle on the story. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. Goldman Sachs now sees the Fed raising interest rates seven times this year. Its earlier prediction was five, and the bank expects the Fed to lift rates by 25 basis points in each of its meetings this year to tame the hottest inflation in four decades. Traders are also pricing in seven Fed hikes this year, sending global bond yields soaring. Data yesterday showed U.S. consumer prices posting the biggest jump since 1982. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thank you. There's also growing speculation the Fed may opt for a 50 basis point rate hike at next month's meeting. St. Louis Fed President Jim Bullard, who votes on rates this year, says he favors three hikes by July, with one of them being a half-point move. Richmond Fed President Thomas Barkin is less convinced of the need for a big move. Open to it conceptually, sure. I mean, there will be times where we'll need to do that. Um, there have been times in the past where we have done it. Uh, do I think there's a screaming need to do it right now? I'd have to be convinced on that. Richmond Fed President Thomas Barkin made the comments at an event at the Stanford Institute for Economic Policy Research. Well, meantime, Karen, the Fed's feeling pressure from Congress. The top Republican on the Senate Banking Committee wants an overhaul of the Federal Reserve's regional bank system. Senator Pat Toomey of Pennsylvania says the 12 regional banks were formed to manage economies in their districts, but that's no longer the case. One of the things that concerns me is maybe in the absence of having a, a compelling monetary policy purpose, they seem to be wandering onto other fields that they like to play on, but which have nothing to do with the Fed's mission and its purpose. Things like climate change, things like social justice. Senator Pat Toomey spoke with David Weston on Bloomberg's Balance of Power. You can catch that program weekdays at noon Eastern on Bloomberg Radio and Television. The economy also in focus overseas, Nathan. Data this morning show the U.K. economy expanded last year by the most since World War II. And we get the latest live in London with Bloomberg's Ewan Potts. Good morning, Ewan. Good morning, Karen and Nathan. The 7.5% expansion in U.K. GDP is the largest since 1941 and made Britain the fastest-growing advanced economy in 2021. But at the end of the fourth quarter, GDP was still lower than before the pandemic struck. The figures will be welcomed by Prime Minister Boris Johnson, who is grappling with a brutal cost-of-living crisis and political difficulties. They'll also keep the Bank of England focused on curbing surging inflation with more interest rate hikes likely in the coming months. Live in London, I'm Ewan Potts, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ewan, thank you. Energy prices are also in focus this morning after a warning from the International Energy Agency. It says oil prices could head higher because chronic supply issues threaten to increase tightness and volatility. Checking oil prices right now, NYMEX crudes up six-tenths percent or 54 cents at $90.42 a barrel. Brent is up a half percent at $91.88. Well, let's switch gears now, Nathan, and talk space, specifically the race to Mars. SpaceX founder Elon Musk says the FAA may grant environmental approval at the company's South Texas launch site as soon as next month. That could pave the way for a Starship launch this year. And Bloomberg's Ed Ludlow is on the ground in the Lone Star State with the very latest. This was classic Elon, the big picture that life on Earth won't be here forever and the time to act is now. He reimagined a life on Mars where Starship carries communities, cargoes of people to another planet to establish a base. He's confident that the FAA will give an environmental approval for Starship to be able to launch potentially as soon as March. And he said that in terms of the technology, the Starship system could be ready to launch in a couple of months. 
Ed Ludlow, Boca Chica, Texas, for Bloomberg News. Okay, Ed, thank you. Right now, S&P futures are down 24 points. Dow futures down 152. NASDAQ futures leading the declines this morning. They're down 109 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 7.30 seconds. The yield 2%. Yield on the two-year right now, 1.59%. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. It's now 5.07 on Wall Street. We're at 42 degrees in Central Park. We got an accident on the southbound Deegan past Fordham Road. Details coming up in traffic. First, Michael Barr is here with more on what's going on in New York and around the world on this Friday morning, Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. It is deadline day for thousands of New York City workers for mandatory vaccinations. If they don't show proof of vaccination by today, they will get fired. At least 95% of city workers are vaccinated. Meanwhile, demonstrations are scheduled for later this morning. The mayor of Windsor, Ontario, is trying legal action to end a trucker's protest against COVID restrictions. Truckers have blocked the bridge linking Windsor to Detroit, a crucial point for moving auto parts and other suppliers. Windsor Mayor Drew Dilkins. The hallmark of the democracies in which we live uh, is that you can protest, you can share your opinion, uh, and we celebrate that. But, and that's okay. What's not okay is to choke off the busiest border crossing between the United States and Canada and impact thousands and thousands of families across both countries. Mayor Dilkins says we want this to end peacefully. Vice President Kamala Harris will visit Newark today. It will highlight replacing lead water pipes. Harris will be joined by New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy. Members of the Senate Judiciary Committee met with President Biden about his pick to be on the Supreme Court. Biden has said he wants to pick a black woman to replace retiring Justice Stephen Breyer. Committee member Senator Richard Blumenthal. This choice is historic, not only because it will bring historic diversity to the court, but also the quality of the person whom the president will appoint, I think, will be historic and will really help unite the country. Senator Blumenthal says Democrats are hoping for bipartisan support. Former Governor Andrew Cuomo plans to file a complaint against New York Attorney General Letitia James. It's over the investigation of sexual harassment allegations that led to his resignation by filing an ethics complaint with the New York State Bar. Cuomo's attorney, Rita Glavin, says the probe conducted by James ignored evidence of witness tampering. Former Alaska Governor Sarah Palin has compared the New York Times to Goliath and herself to David in their dispute over a 2017 editorial. Palin took the stand in Manhattan Federal Court at a civil trial. She's accusing the newspaper of damaging her reputation with an editorial linking her campaign rhetoric to a mass shooting. Closing arguments take place today. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Thanks, Michael. Coming up to 510 on Wall Street, time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Good morning, John Stashauer. Good morning, Nathan. So much for the big three. A little over a year ago, James Harden joined Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn, but with all three in and out of the lineup with injuries, and then this season, Irving not being allowed to play home games. They only played together 16 times, and now Harden is headed to Philadelphia. One unhappy point guard traded for another. Harden goes to Philly with Paul Millsap, and coming to Brooklyn is Ben Simmons, who had refused to play all season for the Sixers. The Nets also gets 
Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, and two first-round draft picks. Nets then played in Washington and lost 113-112. They've now lost 10 in a row. The Knicks, who did not make a trade before the deadline, losers of 10 of the last 12 with a surprising win at Golden State, 116-114. Julius Randle, 28 points, 16 rebounds. An ex-Nick was traded for an ex-Net. Kristaps Porzingis goes from Dallas to Washington for Spencer Dinwiddie. The Devils have just ended a seven-game losing streak, won 7-4 in St. Louis, so they've scored 14 goals in their last two games. At the Olympics, Michaela Schifrin completed the Super G but finished ninth. Sean White was fourth in the snowboarding halfpipe final event of his career. The baseball lockout continues with Commissioner Rob Manfred determined to not let it drag on. I see missing games as a disastrous outcome for the for this industry, and we're committed to making an agreement in an effort to avoid that. One thing the two sides have agreed on, the universal DH. No longer will National League pitchers come to the plate. The rule was American League only for 48 years. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. All right, John, thank you. S&P futures now down 23 points. Dow futures down 140. NASDAQ futures down 108 points. The 10-year Treasury up 830 seconds. The yield 1.9997%. Ben Laidler of eToro is with us next on these markets. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather. Sunshine upper 40s today. Partly sunny and mild tomorrow. Low 50s. Chance of flurries or snow showers Super Bowl Sunday, especially over Long Island with highs in the low 30s. Currently 42 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks are extending declines along with U.S. stock index futures as red-hot U.S. inflation stoked bets on faster Federal Reserve interest rate hikes amid uh, speculation about the monetary policy outlook. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures down 23 points. Down futures down 143. NASDAQ futures down 106. The DAX in Germany is down eight-tenths of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 9.30 seconds. Yield 1.99%. The yield on the two-year, 1.58%. NYMEX crude oil is up a third of a percent or 31 cents at $90.19 a barrel. COMEX gold down six-tenths percent or $10.20 at 1827 an ounce. The euro, 1.1387 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3552. The yen's at 116.04. Bitcoin this morning at $43,420. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Karen. Another round of diplomatic discussions over Russia and Ukraine were held in Berlin. Diplomats from Russia, Ukraine, France, and Germany met to try and resolve the crisis. However, no breakthroughs. Two Democrats on the Senate Intelligence Committee say the CIA has secretly collected information about Americans. Senators Ron Wyden and Martin Heinrich allege the CIA has long hidden details about the program from the public and Congress. Snowboarder Sean White competed in his final men's halfpipe today at the Beijing Olympics. He finished fourth out of the podium. In the NBA, the Knicks beat the Warriors 116-114. The Wizards beat the Nets 113-112. In the NHL, the Devils and Capitals won. The Bruins lost. And finally, on the frozen tundra of Super Bowl 56. I'm just kidding. It's supposed <laughs> yeah, to be really? 90 Come degrees on. at SoFi Stadium in yeah, Inglewood, California. <laughs> yeah, burr. Global news 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Forward by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts. 
In more than 120 countries, I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. At least it feels like Friday on the gridiron. <laughs> Thank you, Michael. 519 on Wall Street, live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Might not feel so much like Friday for investors this morning. Let's bring in Ben Laidler, global market strategist at eToro, as we continue to assess the impact of this sky-high inflation print from yesterday. Ben, good morning. We're seeing the impact in the futures markets. How much further do you think the sell-off has to go? I suspect not much. Uh, I don't think a huge amount has changed here. I don't think there were too many people looking for a lower inflation print yesterday. I mean, it obviously wasn't great, you know, a bit stronger, maybe a bit broader than we did hope. But I think the change is incremental rather than sort of dramatic. I mean, maybe we're looking for, you know, a 50 basis point start to this rate cycle rather than a 25 basis point start to this rate cycle. I, I don't think it's dramatic. I think it was, you know, two things just to keep in mind here. Uh, when we look at all the rate hikes that we've had in the rest of the world in the last 12 months, markets actually tend to react with some relief when that rate cycle actually starts. So I would bear that in mind as we get sort of closer to March the 16th. Um, and, and secondly, I, I would actually feel better about equities now than I did maybe a couple of weeks ago, right? I mean, markets are cheaper. The Fed, we've priced more in. Earnings have been coming in very strong for the fourth quarter. Economies are reopening after Omicron. Um, I, I think the glass is definitely uh, half full here, not half empty. Well, it's interesting to say that you don't think much has changed. I mean, one thing that has changed is you have Goldman Sachs now calling for seven rate hikes instead of five. A lot more resetting of just what the Fed is going to do this year. Do you think some of that's been overdone? Is that your case here? Yeah, a little bit. There's definitely a sort of pile on here. I mean, you know, who, who can put the most rate hikes in their forecast? It, it seems to be the, the sort of, you know, game of the day. But, you know, whether, whether it's five or six or, or seven, I mean, we've come a long way. I mean, back in September, it was essentially none. So, so I do think, you know, we've priced a lot. Um, and again, you know, markets are cheaper. Earnings are still strong. You know, sentiment's a bit lower, which I actually think is contrary and positive. Economies are reopening. Um, I, you know, yes, I'd, I'd prefer that we did, you know, uh, that we only needed five hikes, not not potentially sort of seven. But, um, I, I, again, I, I don't think the narrative has changed dramatically. Um, I think there are some assets going to do very well here. I, 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 again, I, I think we've, we've priced a lot in. I mean, we obviously, you know, we're down a little bit for the year. So I have now have more upside to my, you know, my target. So um, I, I'm actually, as I say, feeling a bit more positive, not necessarily more negative. So what's your target, and uh, what assets do you think particularly are looking most attractive right now? So, so our target's unchanged, 5,050 for the S&P 500, which you know, is a solid 10% uh, from here, plus the dividend. Um, I, I think you know, inflation defensive assets are, you know, are clearly going to keep doing well, and commodities have had the best start to the year uh, in living memory. Uh, I think a lot of, sort of value sectors, financials, energy, um, you know, cheaper valuations, you know, more protection on the downside um, and, and potentially more room to re-rate on the upside. Uh, and, and dare I say, even sort of more volatile, riskier assets like crypto, where, where the supply outlook is, uh, you know, is, is, is fixed. Um, you know, I'm pretty bullish on markets, but this is a new investment world. You know, rates are going up. Growth will be lower. There will be more volatility. Um, you know, returns will be lower going forward than they have been, you know, historically. So I think that, you know, it's no longer just a case of, you know, get long tech and get long the U.S. and forget about it. I do think you need to look at sort of, you know, there will be different leadership. And I think it will come from these sort of cheaper, faster growing sort of value sectors and, 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 and overseas markets, you know, like the U.K. and Europe, for example. So do you think the U.S. continues to outperform the rest of the world, even with a more hawkish Fed? Um, I would expect the rest of the world to actually outperform. Okay. Uh, you know, I think you still I think you're still there's still a double digit return in the U.S., but I don't think the U.S. is going to lead. 
Uh, As I say, I think it's those sort of cheaper, faster-growing assets. You know, European earnings are, you know, growing twice as fast as the U.S. at this point, and valuations are 30% cheaper. And and I think you're seeing variations of that story, you know, in sectors like financials and energy, uh, as well as in overseas markets. So I think the U.S. is fine, but but I don't think it's going to lead markets up. You know, last 30 seconds here, what would make you change your forecast, uh, this bullish outlook for, for stocks? What would have to change for you? Yeah, it's, it's all about earnings. I mean, I think valuations are under pressure and they're probably going to come down and they're already very high. But we're looking for earnings to offset that. We've just had 30% earnings growth in the U.S. in the fourth quarter. If, if those earnings numbers start falling away, if we start seeing downgrades there, that's what I'm worried about because that's the insurance policy to, um, to the valuations which are under pressure here. Thanks for this, Ben. Good to get your view. Really appreciate it. Ben Laidler, global market strategist at eToro, with us this morning as we watch the sell-off in equities continue. We have S&P futures now down 22 points. Dow futures down 136. NASDAQ futures are lower by 104 points. Germany's DAX down three-quarters of 1%. The CAC in Paris is down 1.2%. Ten-year Treasuries up 9.30 seconds. The yield 1.99%. The yield on the two-year right now. 1.58%. Bitcoin, $43,300. Just ahead, the market does ramp up rate bets. And Elon Musk says SpaceX Starship is clear for takeoff. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Bloomberg 11.30 weather, sunshine, upper 40s today, low 50s tomorrow under a partly sunny sky. Chance for flurries or snow showers on Sunday. Highs in the low 30s. Right now, 42 in Central Park. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130. To Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991. To Boston. Bloomberg 1061. To San Francisco. Bloomberg 960. To the country. Sirius XM Channel 119. And around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. It's 5.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm Karen Moscow. We are just about four hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Let's get you up to date on the news you need to know at this hour. U.S. futures extending losses this morning. Red-hot inflation is stoking bets on faster interest rate moves from the Fed. And we get the latest live with Bloomberg's Renita Young. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Karen. Goldman Sachs now sees the Fed raising interest rates seven times this year. Its earlier prediction was five. The bank expects the Fed to lift rates by 25 basis points in each of its meetings this year to the hottest inflation in four decades. Traders are also pricing in seven Fed hikes this year, sending global bond yields soaring. Data yesterday showed U.S. consumer prices posting the biggest jump since 1982. Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Hi, Renita. Thanks. In the U.K., the economy expanded last year by the most since World War II. Gross domestic product was up 7.5%, making Britain the fastest-growing advanced economy, despite growth shrinking two-tenths of a percent in December. Well, oil in focus this morning. The International Energy Agency says crude prices may head higher because of chronic supply issues. And checking prices right now, NYMEX crude oil up a third of a percent or 32 cents at $90.19 a barrel. Brent is up two tenths percent at $91.60. Yeah, we have stocks on the move this morning, Karen. Shares of Zillow are up 13 percent. Earnings topped estimates as a hot housing market helped the economy wind down its home flipping business. Shares of Expedia are up 4%. The travel company reported fourth quarter profit that topped estimates. 
And Nathan, the space race also in focus today. SpaceX founder Elon Musk says he's confident his new Starship will be ready for launch this year. The aircraft is a centerpiece of his plan to travel to Mars. This year we're, we're actually uh, aiming to have um, around 50 launches, so it's about a, a launch per week on average. And, um, yeah, so it's a hell of a year we got ahead of us. Well, Elon Musk spoke at a SpaceX event in Texas, saying he is aiming for up to three Starship flights a day. Each flight is expected to cost less than $10 million. Again, futures are lower. S&P futures down 24 points this morning. Dow futures down 147. NASDAQ futures down 106. Ten-year Treasury up 9.30 seconds. Yield 1.99%. The yield on the two-year, 1.59%. COMEX gold is down half percent or $10 at 18.27 an ounce. The euro, 1.1388 against the dollar. British pound, 1.3554. The yen at 116.04. And Bitcoin at $43,380. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines plus a check of sports. And this is Bloomberg. Thanks, Karen. It's 533 on Wall Street. We're at 41 degrees in Central Park. An accident on the southbound Deegan's causing big delays after Fordham Road. Details and traffic. First, Michael Barr with what else is going on in New York and around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. Former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo will personally file a complaint against State Attorney General Letitia James. Cuomo's attorney, Rita Glavin, says the ex-governor feels strongly there was misconduct in the manner of James's civil investigation. According to the report, Cuomo sexually harassed 11 women, allegations he has denied. President Joe Biden appears to be narrowing his list of candidates for the Supreme Court, saying he's looking at about four people to replace retiring Justice Stephen Breyer. Biden spoke in an interview with NBC. I think we'll, whomever I think will get a vote from the Republican side for the following reason. I'm not looking to make an ideological choice here. I'm looking for someone to replace Judge Breyer with the same kind of capacity Judge Breyer had, with an open mind who understands the Constitution, interprets it in a way that is consistent with the mainstream interpretation of the Constitution. President Biden has said his nominee will be a black woman, and he will decide by the end of February. At least six auto plants near the U.S.-Canada border have slashed output as the impact from a protest blocking truck traffic into Detroit begins rippling through both nations' economies. The blockade started Monday as an offshoot of the trucker convoy in Ottawa to protest a vaccine mandate for drivers who travel across the U.S. border. Windsor, Ontario Mayor Drew Dilkins wants it to end peacefully. Something has to happen, something has to give, and if we can't gain compliance, uh, then we bring tow trucks in and, and uh, many police services to help remove people who are illegally blocking the roadway leading to this crossing. Dilkins says the blockade at the Ambassador Bridge, which links Windsor to Detroit, is the busiest border crossing between the two countries, with $400 million a day crossing at the border. Nevada is the latest state to announce masks will no longer be required in public. Governor Steve Sisolak cited downward trends in COVID statistics. Global News 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Varr. This is Bloomberg Nathan. All right, Michael. Thank you. It's 5.35 on Wall Street and time for the Bloomberg Sports Update with John Stanshaw. Thanks, Nathan. About a week after Nets coach Steve Nash insisted the team was not going to trade James Harden, 
They traded James Harden to Philadelphia in a blockbuster trade involving five players and the Nets getting two first-round draft picks. But at its core, it is Harden for Ben Simmons, two all-star point guards. Harden had made it known he was not planning to re-sign with Brooklyn after the season. And Simmons, so unhappy in Philly, he had refused to play a minute for the Sixers this season. Harden is vastly superior to Simmons offensively, but Simmons is a 6'10 point guard who can rebound and defend. The odds on the Sixers winning the NBA championship have dropped from 12 to 1 to 7 1. Nets lost in Washington 113 to 112. That's their 10th loss in a row. The Knicks with maybe their best win of the season late last night 116 114 at Golden State. Devils two nights after a five goal first period, a 7 to 1 win, scored five in the third and won 7 4 at St. Louis. Controversy at the Olympics. What a surprise. It involves Russian doping and that word that the 15 year old Figure skating phenom Camilla Valieva actually tested positive for a banned drug before the Olympics began. It's not known if Russia will keep its gold medal in the team competition or if Valieva can compete in the individual where she is the favorite. After nearly a half century with the two leagues playing by different rules, baseball is going to the universal DH. Aaron Rodgers named NFL MVP. In his speech, he said he has great memories of playing in Green Bay fueling the belief he will not return to the package. John Stash Hour, Bloomberg Sports. Nathan? Okay, John, thank you. 537 on Wall Street. Time for the Tri-State Business Report. Here's Bloomberg's Ed Corey. The market for New York City apartment buildings reignited in 2021. There were 386 multifamily transactions, up 53% from 2020, according to a report by Aerial Property Advisors. The dollar volume of those deals was about $8 billion, a 72% increase. New Jersey will receive more than $15 million this year to improve the state's existing infrastructure for charging electric vehicles. This funding aims to expand upon the network of charges across the state, including rural and urban areas, and is part of the country's efforts to construct a national network of electric vehicle chargers. Fordham University has named its new president. Tanya Tetlow is the first woman and first layperson to lead the school. She broke the same two barriers in her previous job, serving since 2018 as president of Loyola University, New Orleans, a 110-year-old Jesuit university. That's your Bloomberg Tri-State Business Report. I'm Ed Corey. Thanks, Ed. It's 538 on Wall Street. Bloomberg Radio is on the air from San Francisco to New York, London to Hong Kong. Let's check in with our global news team for some of the top stories heard on our 300 affiliate radio stations around the world. I'm Steve Podusk, and on 1010 Winds in New York, we're talking about how the Plaza Hotel is offering a stay in a marvelous Mrs. Maisel-themed suite. I'm Courtney Donahoe on WHAS in Louisville. There's a crunch on chicken wings coming ahead of the Super Bowl. I'm Caroline Hepton, Bloomberg DAB Digital Radio in London. We're reporting on UK growth at 7.5% in 2021, the fastest since World War II. I'm Ed Corey on WWJ in Detroit. I'm reporting more automakers have scaled back production because of parts shortages stemming from a trucker protest against pandemic mandates. And those are some of the stories our 2,700 Bloomberg journalists and analysts are working on this morning around the world. It's 539 on Wall Street. The following is an editorial from Bloomberg Opinion. A further spike in U.S. inflation in January, prices rose 7.5% compared with the previous year, was the last thing the Federal Reserve wanted to see as it weighs its next monetary policy moves. The central bank had led investors to expect a very gradual increase in interest rates starting next month. Already under pressure to move faster and more boldly, 
the Fed will now need to think hard about its plans and messaging. But the new inflation numbers, surprising as they were to most analysts, don't call for a wholesale shift in strategy just yet. Rather, the Fed needs to show that it's paying attention to the data and is alert to the risks of doing too much as well as too little. Open-mindedness, patience, and gradualism will remain key to its success. This editorial was written by the Bloomberg Opinion Editorial Board. I'm David Chipley. For more Bloomberg Opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com opinion or OPI and go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. And you can hear Bloomberg Opinion editorials every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. S&P futures down 23 points. Dow futures down 138. NASDAQ futures down 102 points. The 10-year Treasury up 930 seconds. The yield 1.99%. What's inflation doing to demand for chocolate? As we get closer to Valentine's Day, we'll have a report on that shortly. This is Bloomberg. Bloomberg 1130 weather, sunshine, upper 40s today, low 50s tomorrow. Snow possible, especially over Long Island on Sunday with highs in the low 30s. Right now, 41 in Central Park. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And I'm Karen Moscow. Stocks are extending their declines along with U.S. stock index futures as red-hot U.S. inflation stokes bets on faster Federal Reserve interest rate hikes amid speculation about the monetary policy outlook. We check the markets every 15 minutes throughout the trading day. On Bloomberg, S&P futures down 22 points this morning. Down futures down 139. NASDAQ futures down 95. The DAX in Germany is down 7 tenths of a percent. CAC in Paris down 1.1 percent. And the FTSE 100 is down three quarters of a percent. Ten-year Treasury up 8.30 seconds. Yield 1.99 percent. They yield on the two-year 1.59 percent. NYMEX crude oil is up half percent or 45 cents at $90.33 a barrel. COMEX gold down half percent or $9.60 cents at $1,827.80 an ounce. The euro 1.1394 against the dollar. British pound 1.3563. The yen's at 116.01. And Bitcoin this morning moving lower at $43,500. Today we are looking for a report on consumer sentiment. It's out at 10 o'clock Wall Street time. And Goodyear and Under Armour among companies that are scheduled to report earnings today. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Karen, thank you kindly. The U.S. reasserted its intention to impose swift, severe costs on Russia if the Kremlin takes any aggressive acts against Ukraine. Meanwhile, Germany and France pushed forward diplomatic efforts. There are now multiple trucker blockades along the U.S. and Canada border. U.S. officials are urging their Canadian counterparts to end the disruption along the Ambassador Bridge, a key trade route for automakers between Windsor, Ontario, and Detroit. Protesters are against the mandates for COVID. Snowboarder Sean White competed in his final men's half-pipe today at the Beijing Olympics. He finished fourth out of the podium. The U.S. has won four gold medals and ten medals overall. In the NBA, the Knicks beat the Warriors 116-114. The Wizards beat the Nets 113-112. In the NHL, the Devils and Capitals won. The Bruins lost. And it could be 90 degrees for Super Bowl 56 Sunday at Inglewood, California. That is so fine. Yeah. 
Global News. SoFi Stadium. No, right. no, you, nothing. <laughs> Global News, 24 hours. It'll hit you. I must uh, 20, have been distracted. 24 Sorry. hours a day <laughs> on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take Thud. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Bard. This is Bloomberg, Nathan. Okay, Michael. Thank you. It's coming up to 550 on Wall Street Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. I'm Nathan Hager. Monday is Valentine's Day. And just like everything else, the price of chocolate and flowers is higher this year. Yeah, supply chain issues are hitting Valentine's Day, but the pandemic has done nothing to dampen America's sweet tooth. Demand for chocolate remains high nationwide as retail sales rise by more than 5% per quarter. The high demand coupled with tightening supply has led to a sharp spike in the price of cocoa. So how's it shaken out at the candy store? We sent Bloomberg's Ann Mostu to O Chocolat, a chocolate shop in Boston's financial district, to speak with the owner, Ed Boyer, and find out more. You know, it's an interesting twist on the supply chain. It's getting worse. Easter's going to be even more so. So it's getting worse. Yes. We have several companies that have eliminated almost a third to a half of their product line. Do you mean chocolate makers? The manufacturers themselves. Simply because, not necessarily always because of raw materials. Some of it's raw materials. A lot of it's trucking and staffing in the factories. But it's not just one factory. It's like everybody. Where are the factories that are making individual truffles for you? Or I have shop? quite a few suppliers. So the one company I'm speaking of in particular is out in the Midwest. I have other factories that we deal with in Burlington, Vermont. They're wholesalers. And then I deal with this company, which comes from Pennsylvania. We also deal directly with Belgium. And they have had supply chain issues as well. Staffing is a big portion of what the issue is. Then the question is, where is everybody? That's the question everyone When is everyone coming back? A lot of people like me have retired, so that leaves some vacancies. So who's coming in? What's the new business model going to be? When you talk about where the chocolate's coming from, yeah, Midwest, Belgium, Pennsylvania, are you having to do any scrambling? I mean, because you have literally thousands I, of chocolate. When, well, when and, you say scramble, yes, we're readapting everything that we would do. You do this for so many years, which I've been doing like 40. You just kind of know, and you know your market, and you know what's going to go, and how you're going to present your product. You put in certain orders, and then... You're told two months later, we're not producing that item that you chose. Now what do you do? So when you say scramble, yeah, you're going to look and say, well, do I need that or do I want something else? But because we're also stuck in the realm where Boston's not reopening, now you look at it and go, well, maybe that was a godsend. I don't need the product because what am I going to do with it? I mean, we've got burnt for the last two years. Right, because so much of your customer base is It's all based here, yeah. Well, people you know, working in the financial right, industry. right. Are people using your website? Yeah, but not as much as you might think. They were doing it a lot more a year ago, because now everybody thinks everything's open. Yeah. And out in the burbs and whatnot, things are open a lot more than down here. I mean, this is yeah. desolate. So the people who would be working here are living in Quincy or Beverly. So they have other options. So they're not really thinking of you know, necessarily yeah. buying online. And is Valentine's Day your biggest day of the year? Yeah. <laughs> it was. <laughs> It was. This is only about half of what we would normally do. Have you had trouble sourcing the boxes? 
the red heart-shaped mm, boxes? We knew supply chains was an issue a year ago. We, and I say, we're six months in advance. I ordered my hearts back in June and took delivery in June, where I normally wouldn't take delivery until January. But I wasn't going to take that chance that... Because you place the order doesn't mean you're getting the order. Right. What about prices? Have you had to raise your prices? Oh, my God. A ton? A little bit? I have to ask. I have one manufacturer I deal with. They've had two price increases of about 8% twice in this last year. Well, so are people going to, how much more are they going to spend on a box of chocolate this year? To be honest with you, really basically the same prices as they were last year. There's people working in town. When they come in, I don't want people to be sticker shocked and then leaving and then going to, you know, your local drugstores. I want them to look at this and say, okay, that's still reasonable. Most people that when they come in here, they go, I'm glad you survived. And I'm saying, no, I'm still in the ICU unit and I'm on a respirator. (laughs) How long do you think we can survive? I mean, so I've had one decent month in all of 2021. In the beginning of the first year, you had PPP. Okay, that covered some payroll. doesn't cover all your expenses. I had to take out an SBA loan. It's not a grant. So that gets you cash flow to make bills, but you're not making anything. And right. then you're doing it based on the thought that, well, you're going to be reopening soon. Right. That has yet to happen. Again, that's Ed Boyer, owner of Oshakalot. Technically, Boston stores have reopened, but the financial district has almost no foot traffic because so many people are still working from home. I heard something similar just down the street from a local florist. Robin's Flower Shop has long been a popular cash and carry place on Devonshire Street and now in the heart of downtown crossing across from Macy's. But today I didn't find Robin there. She's been busy working on phone and online orders for Valentine's Day. I caught up with her by phone. You're right in saying downtown is very quiet, but we have a really large online presence, dinging off stock, and so has the phone. Not a lot of walk by. We're delivering or pick up whatever is most convenient for our customer base. I heard roses are going to be more expensive than usual this year. Is that true? Are you steering people toward other flowers? I would say if you plan ahead, you're in good stead. If you're waiting till last minute, then you'll probably pay a little bit of a premium price for it. Is it a difference in price from last year, like a dozen roses last year versus this year? No, we're steady at the same price as we were last year. Cash and carry long stem red will be $40 a dozen. If you're looking for something that is delivered in a vase with filler and greens and whatnot, it is $100 a dozen. Does it feel just like last year or does it feel like business is a little bit better, a little bit worse? I would say definitely better. People need love in their life. They want to celebrate. People are not happy (laughs) doing the same old what they've been doing for the last two years during the pandemic. They want to show their loved ones that they're thinking of them. So I'm very positive this year. Again, that's Robin Rubin, owner of Robin's Flower Shop in Boston's Financial District. Bloomberg Television recently interviewed the head of 1-800-Flowers to discuss how cost pressures are affecting the company. They have a website, 1-800-Flowers.com. Their company in January offered weaker-than-expected full-year guidance and said cost increases hurt profit. Here's CEO Chris McCann. I think what we're seeing is the inflationary <laughs> cost pressures that many of us in the retail industry are feeling are starting to impact the consumer. And I think we're seeing the consumer start to pull back a little bit. So while we had, you know, real cost pressures this past quarter from ocean freight, inbound freight, outbound freight, labor cost pressures that we've had. 
and those cost pressures have weighed heavily on 1-800 Flowers. The stock is down around 50% since its all-time high reached about a year ago. Cocoa prices are up more than 8% since December, and stockpiles of cocoa at U.S. ports have fallen for nearly four months. But demand remains sky-high heading into Valentine's Day. In Boston, I'm Ann Mostu, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, Ann, thank you. S&P futures right now are down 18 points. Dow futures down 112. NASDAQ futures are lower by 90 points. The 10-year Treasury is up 7.30 seconds. The yield, 2.0%. Bloomberg Daybreak continues with your top stories of the morning just ahead. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. This May, a 1,000 global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com.